0: Hello, fabulous followers. Welcome to this week's Totem Talks. As always, I am Mark Smith.
1: And I am Helen Fruin.
0: These things never change.
1: They do not.
0: Hmm. Some philosophy for you at the beginning <laughs> of this one. <laughs> um, today we're going to be talking about rating scales. Mm. Um, why?
1: I get asked about it often enough that... Uh, Well, in fact, one client came to us recently and said, I I tried to find some research online. What is a good rating scale? How do I know what I should be looking for in a rating scale? There is a shocking lack of information out in the World Wide Web about how to structure a rating scale and what good looks like. So whilst I'm used to people asking me about it as part of an assessment centre project or something like that, Mm -hmm. uh, this particular one was, well, can you write something on it? Can you have something on it? So now we've got an article on the website Figured we'd talk about it on the podcast as well.
0: We have several articles, in fact, on the website, mm. if memory serves me correctly. Mm. Please, listeners, help yourselves. It's all for free. Uh, okay, so my view of rating scales uh, comes from actually having lived under the yoke of rating scales for a long time. So my perf- my pay was related to my performance, right. which was related to an assessment that some scroty little manager who did not know Anything about management would give me once a year and then I would get a pay increase based upon that and that really seems to stem from how well I kissed his ass throughout the year <laughs> that 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 is my experience of rating scales when related to performance related pay great um, is that that's that, is that, it's not entirely what we're talking about is it
1: well in a sense yes because the problem with rating scales is that we want them to fix managers, mm. right? So, so what, what do we want from people management? We want individuals to do a great job. We want managers to be able to give feedback on the performance. We want people to be paid fairly for what they're doing. So what we need is a way of helping managers assess performance, give feedback in an assessment situation, assess potential, give feedback, make recruitment decisions. You, you're putting an awful lot of on a people manager's ability mm. to make assessments and make judgments, most of the people managers that we're working with here don't have those skills. So what we do is give them a rating scale instead. We're like, okay, you're not very good at, at being objective. You're not very good at judging performance. We'll give you a rating scale to help you do it. If you weren't good at judging before, you're not gonna be much better now you've got a rating scale.
0: That That is very true. I was about to make a very poor analogy then I'll keep my mouth shut. Um, And I think the trouble with rating scales is that no matter how prescriptive you are within a rating scale they are still quite subjective so in the wrong hands it can be very much a blunt force tool Um,
1: and it's worth saying to your point there about being specific if you are creating an assessment centre for graduates hmm. so you know you're going to be using this exercise and this rating scale loads of times absolutely you can get super specific right Mm -hmm. in this presentation exercise a two on this competency would look like this a three would look like this a four would look like this we create rating scales like that because it helps assessors to be more objective because they've got that specific information
0: and in that context they really do work actually I've I've seen them used very well Mm. Um, but that's generally because the people using them Use them on a regular basis Mm. so they actually know what they're doing.
1: And they've been trained on using those materials. Yeah. And and as you say, it's super specific so you can do it. Mm. But the minute that you say, well, let's take that concept and apply it to the performance of loads of different people in loads of different jobs in loads of different departments. Well, then you go from what does a two in this presentation exercise in this graduate assessment center look like to what does a two look like in you doing your job? Yeah. And there's no way we can get specific about that. So you have to go really broad and say a two looks like below average. Mm. What does that mean? Or a two looks like unsatisfactory. What does that mean? And so that's where, as you say, it becomes massively subjective, really quite unhelpful. Is there a benefit?
0: Mm. So consider scrapping the rating scales.
1: And that's what many companies have done, right? Accenture launched this whole thing years ago. I don't know that Accenture were the first one to go, but they were one of the more famous ones to say, Mm. we're going to scrap appraisals, scrap rating scales, scrap performance-related pay based on the rating scale. I think they still do performance-related pay. It's just in a different way. Uh, Many organizations have followed that. We've just been through a one-year program supporting a huge organization through that shift away from appraisal ratings and into just better conversations. And so you could scrap the rating scale and have good conversations. But again, then you've got the issue. The the issue underlying all of this is the people manager capability to make good observations, make good assessments and have good conversations. So if you're going to scrap the rating scale, you need to have really strong capability management and training available for managers to get better at the conversations. Mm -hmm. Arguably, if you're going to keep the rating scale, you need to do that as well.
0: Yes. Yes, I, I would I completely agree with that. Um, let's get into the the, the the my biggest bugbear with rating scales, and that is the central central tendency. So, any rating scale where you've got a nice midpoint on it, uh, guess what happens? Everybody
1: gets a three. <laughs> Everybody you are a three a, out of five. You
0: are average. But then you can't really say someone's average because no one wants to be called average. And you can't really use the word good. So you can't make four and five, if you're going to have you know, one to five, as good and better. Because if I'm not a good, am I bad? If I'm a t- Ooh. So you've got to be really careful with central tendencies. And you've really got to be careful with the label you associate to each of the, the points that you have on your little chart. Um,
1: I actually prefer where you don't have labels. Hmm. So you've got a one to five rating scale and it's just you know you're a three you're a four well what does a three or four mean well we would suggest that someone who is a three is performing at the accepted standard mm. so if you are doing a three you're doing your job if you're doing a four or a five then that might start to raise questions for us about you, know, you being a high performer are you then showing potential in other areas could we be developing you in your career and and so on um
0: at which point, I believe a previous podcast version of myself would jump in right now and say, no, leave that person alone just because they're really good at that particular job. In fact, they've got an aptitude and a natural skill set for doing a job it does not mean that they should then be promoted. Leave them where they are. They could actually be really happy.
1: Then well, the key here is not to go universally one way or the other. The key is to have a conversation with the individual to understand mm. if they want to change jobs, move in a different direction, step up, do something different. And if they do want to do that, then what are the skills required for that other job they want to do? Mm. Let's not universally say you should develop people's careers or you shouldn't. It's got to be a conversation with each person.
0: True. I'm clearly in a very binary mood this morning. <laughs> um, anything else about? Uh, well
1: as you say central tendency is a massive issue if you Mm. give a a midpoint people will tend to just use it right or i don't want to say you're really good because then you might ask for a pay rise but i don't want to say you're bad because i don't want to be mean so i'll just give everyone a three well then if you are trying to make decisions about who to put into your succession plan or you're in an assessment center trying to decide who to hire you're stuffed because everybody got a three so make your rating scale one to four one to six, you know, you, you've got to go one way or the other. And if you make that midpoint invisible line,
0: mm. uh,
1: what is acceptable for the job, then if it's a one to four rating scale, my personal preference for simplicity, then a two means you're not okay. And a three means you are okay. And there's no in-betweeny. Mm. Uh, and what you'd say in an assessment center is that ideally you're looking for threes and fours across the board, but everybody has development areas. If you've got a couple of twos let's say you're measuring six, seven competencies. Mm. If you've got mostly threes and fours and a couple of twos, those are your development areas. Let's take those through into your induction. If you've got a one, like significant development area, that might be a concern. Mm-hmm. And so it just becomes a really simple thing to just have a one to four rating scale.
0: Yeah, so when I mean, you do aggregate your scores, we well, you should be really thinking about aggregating your scores if you're doing it. I mean, the question was...
1: What do you mean aggregating your scores?
0: So, you, so you look for look for the whole picture. So, if someone so, so, I would have said like if someone scored fours across the board and it had one one. I I would I would have less concern there, because you know they're, they're outstanding in particular. I'd actually be looking to to rework the job that they're going to be doing, mm. perhaps, uh, just to take. I'm fairly certain if you assess me on some things, I would definitely score one. Uh, talking to other human beings is is going to be. <laughs> 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 a one for me but you know in everything else I'm clearly a four so you know this is why I still have a job mm-hmm. um so yeah I would, I would I would be looking to you know m- massage some of the figures somewhere uh,
1: so I want to be clear when I, I had alarm bells when you said the word aggregate because what a lot of people do is say oh, okay so if you've got eight competencies and it's scored out four I can't do my maths what would that be as a total eight times four <laughs> 32. Uh, so you say, okay, what was your total score out of 32? Well, then you lose the holistic picture of, yes, yeah, yeah. was yeah. that all fours and a one, or was yeah. it threes and twos? Um. So to look at the whole picture, if you've got an assessment matrix with someone's mm. scores over the that, yes, we need to look at that whole picture and make a, a fair decision, as you're suggesting, not shovel the numbers in a spreadsheet and expect it to spit you out an answer.
0: Yeah. Although we have done that in the past.
1: Absolutely, because many of our clients want it to work that way. And we have managed to make conditional formatting in the Excel spreadsheet so that it does spit out a number, but it's not just based on a total score.
0: Which was really, really hard to do.
1: Yeah, but we did it.
0: That was re- That 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 broke my Excel <laughs> mind. Oh, that was not a good day. Shout
1: out to Peter, our amazing yeah, Excel Pete,
0: consultant. Literally, he's called Pete the Excel guy. <laughs> Is
1: it Pete PeteTheExcelGuy.com? no pxl.co.uk
0: I don't know anyway we will put a link f- yeah, to him if yeah. you
1: need anything amazing doing an excel and by amazing I don't case. mean like
0: boring little macros or little you know conditional for what I'm talking you want to see
1: magic happen
0: Gandalf the wise <laughs> using excel we recommend going to him um you did touch on competencies I did I did, I did want to come back to that because mm. um so often we see rating scales attached to you know core competencies within let's say there are behavioral competencies within a business um quite a lot of companies have more than six a lot of companies have more than six competencies which starts to get very messy i think once you get past eight competencies you're just repeating yourself in a slightly different way aren't you so um how how would you recommend managing managing rating scales within competencies because i think that's really what the question is isn't it you're going to have you're going to have a defined set of behaviors over here plus your rating scale how do those two interact in the best possible way is the question i would have for you
1: so if you're talking about an assessment center that's that's a separate thing. Yeah. You, you want to be looking at six. You can go to eight, but I would really say stick with six competencies for your interview, your assessment center, whatever your recruitment process is. Uh so you've got your competency framework, score them up against the six, job done. In job reviews, performance reviews, mm-hmm. you're going to be looking at the what and the how. So how are you scoring in delivering your objectives, delivering your results, how many widgets you made, how many sheds you sold. How are you doing on deliverables? And then you've got your competencies in terms of how you're doing that. So you might be scoring four out of four on selling sheds, but your customer service is absolutely shocking,
0: Mm. which
1: would make us question how you're selling sheds so well. But there we go. Have you Um, seen
0: Wolf of Wall Street?
1: There we go. So we want to look at your ethical scores (laughs) on our behaviour framework there. So what can be helpful then is to have a rating scale for the what, the Mm. the performance, the result, and then the rating scale for the how. Now, to your point, if you've got more than eight competencies, and the reason we say eight is because any of the big organizations like SHL, Corn Ferry, uh, YSC, who've done the big research projects in terms of what are the behaviors that contribute to doing well in any job, it really boils down to about eight things. So when you say, if you've got more than eight, you're probably repeating yourself. That's why we say that. So what you're looking for then is to have your what ratings on your performance and then your how ratings uh, on your competency framework. To make that simpler, rather than using eight or 20, as I've seen in one organization, scoring you against 20 items, what if I were to pick the top three that are relevant to your job? So you give each team or department, maybe each manager, but again, we come back to the people managers individual capability to do that is choose the three competencies most important to this role need to make sure that you as my employee are signed up to that as well and then you're going to get your what score your how score against your three competencies makes it all much more simple and straightforward
0: Mm -hmm. and just to say if you're working in the manufacturing industry it's really quite straightforward anyway because you've got ready ready match ready-made metrics yeah for for stuff i mean toyota was just It was a breeze, frankly.
1: Well, and the issue is when we talk about manufacturing or sales, the assumption is always that it's easy because it's how many widgets did you make or how many sheds did you sell? Mm. But it is more complex than that because even at Toyota, you know, I love hearing your stories from there because yes, it was speed of execution, Mm. but it was also how much continuous improvement you contributed to. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's true. And how you contributed to the team. So it's not just how many widgets Mm. you make.
0: But I think it was an environment where you would expect to seem to see a, a metric placed on everything right so how it wasn't just about how many so you know you you, you were required to submit a number of ideas for improvement to the particular part of the factory in mean, that's a measurable thing got you what was more important what was as important was how well those were rated because obviously mm-hmm. you could just because right it, it, I mean, you know as usual that at the end of the month everybody who hadn't done that would then all of a sudden panic and then bosh out three but then Toyota introduced the quality of the idea actually you just copy pasting from other people are you actually engaging in this process and to show you know, to show that it was about originality of thought it was about mm-hmm. maybe collaborating with a few other lads mm-hmm. um, and so it was it was really the metrics were really designed to push you mm. to engage with the thing. Um,
1: and that's the point.
0: And that's the point. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe exactly. This is yeah. A yeah.
1: Beautiful place to summarise yeah. is if we come back to why do you want a rating scale? Because we want to drive performance. Yeah, We want people to do a great job and we want to know how they're doing so that we can have conversations with them about that. What gets measured gets done. Mm-hmm. So having a measure is good to a degree... Because sometimes what gets measured gets done in a way you don't want it done. Absolutely. So exactly to your example there, you've got loads of ideas in the box, but they're rubbish ideas. They're copy pasted ideas. So then do you add a measure, which is often your competencies, your behaviours, about the quality, about how you did it? Because if we just say what gets measured gets done. So if you sell a load of sheds, great. But the fact that you've undercut one of our other departments and upset most of the customers... That's not okay. Mm-hmm. So when you put a rating scale, when you put a target to something, just look out for the unintended consequences that can come from that. And as it sounds like Toyota did then, put in place something else to measure against that. Yeah, A quality measure, a competency measure can be a big help. Awesome.
0: Thank you very much. Um, let's uh, put a pin in that.
1: I'm not sure that we've really said... <laughs> Because <laughs> I feel like I'm just saying scrap rating scales because they, they don't make life easier. But I hope it's been useful.
0: Um, I wouldn't say we've said scrap rating scales. I said we've got you've got to be careful with them. Mm. Avoid central tendencies. So don't mm. don't have a central point. Move away from words like average, good, mm-hmm. bad. So you, you know, don't don't go there. Um. Push people who are going to be delivering on these rating scales to make a firm decision. So the reason why I like the one to four is because two is added, not okay. Yeah, two is not okay. Three is okay. Four is it. You know, it. it, it, it I, I, think, um, I think I can't remember what the, the statement is, but it's something like um, competence is not competence within a role is not okay. Um, we find that with some clients that actually you, you do need to be pushing. You know, particularly, I, I want to say some of the startup tech banks that mm-hmm. we've been working with. To just turn up and do your job, it's not good. No. You, you you're not been hired to just turn up and do your job, which I I understand that there are some ethical and moral challenges to that because some people just want a job. Um, so, you, but
1: then don't work in this organization. Don't work. In, don't work. In You've this got a startup yeah. mentality. Yeah. We want people to own this yeah, and drive yeah, it yeah. forward. It's yeah.
0: So, so two is not good. So, you know, make def- make the rating scales painful because that's that's the place where you can make them painful. Um, use them appropriately with your competency frameworks, and if you need to, put a little extra niggle in there, so you can move people away from just just doing the- just doing to actually caring about what the performance rating is there for and what it's there to achieve in summary
1: which comes all the way back to good conversations mm-hmm. because if you if you are putting those ideas in the box and they're not good ideas and you're demonstrating you don't really care about continuous improvement that's a conversation yeah. I want to understand why you don't care I want to understand how you might care and, and how we could talk about this differently so that you'd think yeah. differently or, or is this just the wrong job for you yeah and so if you're not building people manager capability to have conversations no rating scale is ever gonna help yeah.
0: and just to find a final point make sure that what you what you're pushing people to achieve is in their job description and contract because like toyota i mean the toyota were very cute about this in everybody's contract was a line that said commitment to continual improvement, and they hung an awful lot of hats mm-hmm. on that, and an awful lot of people did not last long at Toyota for one reason or another, and they were said adieu to because they had no commitment to continuous improvement. They were just there for the job. If you need, you need that in your in your job description and your contracts. Mm. Otherwise, you are going to get staff members going. You're going to have to performance manage me out of the business, baby, and it's going to take you twelve months. Woo! Um, Yeah. So make sure your competencies and your rating scales are linked to the reason why people got the job in the first place or you're going to go nowhere.
1: So if you're listening to all of this and thinking, oh, my (laughs) goodness, how do we do? We can help you write your job descriptions. We can help you write your competency frameworks. Yeah. Yeah. Because actually getting that right from the start, as you say, avoids you a lot of problems later down the
0: line. Yeah. What are we doing next time? Oh, you know, I can't remember.
1: How about we talk about the book?
0: You want to talk about the book? Let's talk about the book. All right, we'll talk about the book.
1: Let's talk about the book.
0: Let's Mm. talk about the book, book, book. Which and I believe we may even be doing some heavy marketing for that soon, so that's very exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, Awesome. Well, have a fabulous couple of weeks, everybody. Um, We are in the process of thinking about what to do with this podcast in the new year, so... Just like last year, we're going to take December off because, you know, and um, in January, we'll come back. And I think just like this year, we'll come back with a slightly different format. If you've got any ideas about what you'd like that to be, I mean, I have an idea. I think um, if you visit HelenFruin.com, you'll see some new new things transpiring in support of the book, but, you know, in, in terms of supporting some of Helen's ambitions as well. So... That's quite exciting. Just wondering how this podcast might evolve into that space. So if you have any ideas, please get in touch. We're always wanting to hear from you. Other than that, have a wonderful week. Thank you.